imagine it's two o'clock in the morning, it's minus five degrees Celsius, and you're outside washing trucks, getting sprayed with cold water, and you're thinking to yourself, man, there's got to be something better than this. Well, that's exactly where Paul Meredith was when he hit rock bottom, washing cars. Then fast forward a few years, the guy's crushing 100 million in mortgages. And so in this conversation today, and a lot of this actually has to do with mindset and what you focus on. And so I have a great conversation with Paul about the importance of mindset, of how he completely reshaped his mindset, which changed his whole life. And we play a fun little experiment where I tell him to give me five ways to completely destroy your mindset. And so obviously do the opposite, but it's kind of fun. We talk about, okay, if you wanted to wreck your mindset, you should do this. And I think given the current market situation and how challenging it's been, mindset is absolutely critical. I believe right now is a time for people to grab market share, to grab mind share, to get in front of people they normally couldn't get in front of. But that's only if you show up positive and ready to go versus hunkering down and hoping for this to pass. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation I have with Paul. Paul Meredith is a top mortgage broker based out of Toronto, does hundreds of millions of dollars in mortgages a year. Before I jump into this episode, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application document collection submission platform designed specifically for Canadian brokers. It's very easy to use. It's got some cool features like smart docs. It knows what documents your client needs based on their app. It's got smart submission notes, pulls key data from the app. And it's also connected to Lender Spotlight, which has all 8,000 different rates and guidelines all baked right in. It's fantastic. Check out lendescom slash Finmo. Check out this conversation that I have with Paul. Hey, Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. So, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself. And so if somebody doesn't know who you are, I mean, I feel like everybody should know who you are, but tell me about me a little background before I get into chatting about sort of mindset and stuff around this market. Yeah, for sure. So I've been a mortgage broker now for about 16 years in the business. Hard to believe it's been that long, but uh, it's been a long time. I wrote a book called uh, Beat the Bank, How to Win the Mortgage Game in Canada. It's an Amazon number one bestselling book that is geared towards consumers. I know other brokerages and some lenders use it for training of their staff as well, but it's mainly written for the consumer. And I've got a staff of five people and what else do you want to know? <laughs> and you do pretty big volume every year. You know, you wouldn't have a staff of five people who weren't doing, you know. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, things have quieted down a little bit this year and I probably have more staff than what I need right now. But it's important that I'm staffed up because I was understaffed through 2020 and 2021 when things really started to go crazy. And we're just a matter of time before that starts to happen again. The market, it's dipped a little bit. It's a little bit quieter right now. A matter of time, it starts to take off again. I want to make sure that I'm prepared for it. And you have the team in place. So things are hinting at right now. I mean, anything could happen, but there's a possibility of rates coming down sometime next year, which would be great. As a guy in variable mortgage myself, I'm hoping that's the case. <laughs> I haven't locked in because I'm stubborn. I'm like, no, no, I'm going to wait, you know, and it's just, I haven't done it. So like right now, how do you maintain your mindset? So I want to talk about mindset and I also talk about what kind of things can you do when it's not as busy, but let's talk about mindset first. So walk me with. Yeah. Yeah. So really everything starts with the mindset and that's the most important thing because those who experienced 2020 and 2021 and just the insanity of what the market was like, then you get used to things going a certain way. But then when the market shifts, well, now things aren't falling into our lap quite as much as they were over the last couple of years. So that can lead some to be a little bit negative, to start thinking negatively, to start wondering what's happening. It can affect your attitude. And 
is so important that you maintain a positive attitude, you maintain your focus, you maintain your confidence, and you maintain your positive thinking. So attitude is everything, because if you're thinking negatively, and if you're down, and you're always complaining about the market, and every word out of your mouth is, oh, business sucks, business is awful, there's no money coming in, you're driving down you're your- you off bad your, mojo, your energy's gonna be like juju, whatever they call it, you're just gonna be like, whoa, and- yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, and the more you tell yourself these things, the more it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You put out this negative energy, and then when you do have a client that you want to speak with, or whether it's a Zoom call, or whether it's on the phone, or in person, or however you meet people, that negative energy will come through. It doesn't matter how positive you think you're sounding in that call. If you're talking negatively or thinking negatively most of the time, the person you're talking to is going to pick up on that. It might be your tonality. It might be your physiology. It might be something to do with your mannerisms. That's a little bit different. But the way you think really controls your direction. And so if you're always thinking negatively, then that's how you attract bad things into your life. That's when you get clients canceling. That's when the phone stops ringing. You have to maintain that positive focus because one of the biggest reasons why or how I became successful in this is because I maintained that positive focus. I maintained that commitment to myself, that dedication, that commitment to success and visualizing what I want and then just picturing it in my mind as if that had actually happened, as if it's actually real. Because really, the mind can't really distinguish what's real and what's not. So it's going to believe whatever you tell it. If you truly believe that you're something and you visualize it and you picture in your mind like it's real, then that will happen. The law of attraction is so powerful. It's really one of the big reasons why I did become successful in this industry is because I learned how that works and to harness it and really does make such a big difference. 100%. Yeah. So a couple of threads I want to pull on. One, you talked about having a commitment to success, you talk about visualization. So what are some of the habits that you do to maintain your mindset? Because, you know, you've got more staff right now, the market isn't as busy, we both believe it's going to come roaring back, because there's still lack of inventory, and there's people waiting. But in any case, what kind of habits do you have to do that? Because I have kind of my own little routine, and I'm happy to share, but I'm interested in what are you doing? Yeah, for sure. And happy to share that. So every morning when I come into the office, whether I'm working from home or in the office, I'm in the office today, but every morning when I come in, I spend about a half an hour to just work on myself. I focus on my goals. I write out all my goals. I put on some motivating music. I jump up. I dance around a little bit. You get the blood moving because a big part of your attitude is your physiology. And when you get up and move around, it just brings you up a little bit. That's also a great thing to do too, before you get onto a Zoom call or a phone call with a client is get up, dance around a little bit, put yourself into that positive state. And that can make a big difference in the way you're perceived in that call as well too. So I write out my goals every morning. I write out my short-term goals. I write out my long-term goals. I write out what so I like, Okay, so I'm going to get real specific. I'm not going to ask yeah. you like, okay, but what would be a short-term goal? What kind of time frame are you looking at? So what you want to achieve over the next month, what you want to achieve over okay. the next week. Have any specific way that you write it out or is it just like, I want my boat, I'm just joking. I know you like boats. I want my boat back in the water in the next month. I know that's not going to happen. <laughs> or like, is there a certain way you do it? Because I'm sure that this this is all stuff that you would have picked up over the years from different core training and coaches and mentors and stuff. But I just want to know what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. 
Wording is, of course, everything. So you, you want to language act as matters, if you... actually. Like they say, everything lives in language. And so the language you use, even in the way you write your goals, can affect your... Right, for sure. So I might write something like it is December 31st, and I have earned X number of dollars and achieved X number of funding volume, whatever you want to do. But you say, I have achieved it. And not... It's I already done. To... It's not, I'm going to, or I wish, or I hope. It's done. concrete. And how long have you been doing that? Like, how long have you been doing some version of this, do you think? Oh, probably for about eight or nine years now, at least. Right. What's the biggest thing that surprised you about this? Like, have you ever surprised yourself? Because you write it down and part of you in the back of your head is like, okay, well, this is kind of crazy. And then, you know, you look back over the last time, even eight years, and you're like, wow, I can't believe it. Have you ever felt that? Yeah. So actually, it was a little over 10 years now, because remember, it was the end of 2012. It's probably right around this time. And I remember thinking that... I just shifted my focus and I just started visualizing on what it would be like to be successful, what it would be like to have so much money coming in, what it would be like to be a certain way. And I always kind of visualized like that from the beginning. And that's how when I first started in this business, I started to do okay right from the beginning. But I stagnated for a few years until the end of 2012. You know what it was? I remember put on some music and I just found this music just very inspiring, very motivating, and it changed the way I felt inside because it changed the way okay, I can felt. I, can I ask, what kind of music do you typically listen to? If that's not you know, it was like a deep house kind of music. Okay. Yeah, I listen to a broad mix of music. Sometimes I'll just put on, I've got like an epic movie soundtracks, which is basically the soundtracks from movies with no words because the words get me distracted and I'll put Agreed. that on and then I'll listen to that in the background because it's kind of like this upbeat like I'm in my own action movie you know I'm not sending an email I'm in an action movie you know so it sounds like you do some version of that too and you change well, the music and that's, time or what? It's, yeah it's kind of exactly what it was because it's yeah instrumental it's just I close my eyes and I just kind of pictured myself living in this posh condo downtown and picturing myself having this and having that and what this lifestyle would be like. And I felt it and feeling it is the key. When you visualize anything, you have to feel those feelings like they're real. And I did at that time. And I think at that time, like, I think the most I ever made in one year was like 85,000 or something like that. It was pretty consistent from when I first started in the business at the end of 2007. But when I started feeling this when I started doing this, I went from 85,000 to 175,000 the next year. So that was from right. 2012 to 2013. And 2013 was the first year that I cracked 100 grand. I used to think that it was such an unattainable amount of money. And then yeah, and then I ended up making 175,000 that year. And then eventually, that just continued to grow from there. And that before we knew and, it, and I, was, I suspect you probably made the 100 grand in a month at times since then. Yeah, yeah. I think there was one or two months where I was close to 200 or, or at 200. Yeah. I mean, so people listening to this, maybe that sounds insane. But the reality is, is that I heard a quote recently, belief comes before ability. Like if you don't believe it, you're never going to achieve it. It doesn't mean that I can believe I'm going to be an NBA basketball star. That's not going to happen. But there are things that you can absolutely control. And I love that you actually get into the emotion of it. Like you're not talking about what does it look like? It's like, what does it feel like to have that? So do you have the condo that you picture in your mind? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So that's the thing. So you picture these things and you feel it and then your actions come from that emotional state. So I love that. So you write out your goals, you've got music and you move around for physiology. Was there anything else that you found to be helpful for building a strong mindset? Well, if physiology is a big thing, what you focus on, of course, is key because what you focus on, eventually you will go there. Your mind will take you in that direction. 
you mentioned about beliefs, it's what you believe as well too. Because if you're trying to visualize something, like it's one thing to say, okay, I want to make this much money or I want to have this kind of lifestyle or bring in this kind of volume. And if in your back of your mind, you're like, I don't believe this bullshit. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's never going to happen. Well, then you're wasting your time. You have to believe it. Like when I put on that piece of music and that popped into my mind, it just changed the way I felt completely. And then I look at my condo after that, I'm like, this place is a freaking mess. I'm like, well, if I was as successful, it sure as hell wouldn't look like this. So I went around and cleaned everything up and tidied it up and put everything in its place. And, and that's how it stayed because that's how somebody who would have that kind of lifestyle, that's how they would be living. They wouldn't be living with crap everywhere. Right. Actually, I love that. There's two concepts in psychology. One of them is selective attention, which is whatever you focus on expands. And so if I look for the problems in the world or the problems in my life, I can find them. And you know what? They're going to get worse. Or I can look for what's the goal, where's the opportunity in whatever situation, and you will find that too. I heard a quote that said that, Pessimists get to be right, but optimists get to be rich because the optimist is going to find a solution no matter what, whereas the pessimist is going to find a hundred reasons why something can't work. I believe that's absolutely. And that all just comes down to mindset at the end of the day. And I think we've all experienced people like that too. They're just negative all the time, no matter what happens. They can only focus on the bad. And because they're so negative all the time, because they're so focused on what's wrong, everything that's wrong with their life, everything that's wrong with the world, everything that's wrong with their business, they're negative all the time. And you just draw more of that into your life. And it's not just that you're drawing more of that into your life. You miss the good things. You miss the good things. You can have... Great things happening to you all around you, but you're not going to notice it because you've programmed your mind to be so negative that that's all you see. You have to turn that around. I mean, I was in really bad shape at one point, and I think I told you that once before when uh, I was in a different line of work a long time ago, and I was so broke, and I had $65,000 in debt. And I wasn't bringing any money at all. And I was forced to take a job washing trucks in the middle of winter in February. And I remember one night specifically that it was about negative five or negative six degrees. It was cold as if it get where we could still wash. And it was windy as hell. And the wind was blowing the icy spray from my pressure washer back in my face. And, And it was like freezing on my face. And I remember at that time, I'm like, this is the lowest point of my life right now the lowest point of my life right now. And this has got to change. And I started to cry at that moment. I started to cry because I knew that was rock bottom. I had hit bottom. Like, that's it. I've got no money. I've got three o'clock in the morning. My face is freezing. We've got to change this. And that was the lowest point in my life. And then I was able to turn around after that. And sometimes you need to hit that level of low before you realize it. And then use that as leverage. I'm kind of that way. I'm a slow learner. My therapist says to me, I have a coach, therapist, whatever. He said that you need a crisis and a commitment. Crisis needs to happen. And then you make the commitment. You're at the, oh my gosh, I'm washing these trucks. I'm freezing and I'm not getting out of debt with this current you know, job that I'm on or path that I'm on. And, uh, because sometimes these things happen to you and that's what you need. That's the kick in the ass you need. That's the motivation that you need to drive yourself forward. When you have something like that and you've realized that level of pain, You'll do anything to avoid it. So sometimes you need that leverage in order to really take yourself to that next level. And another thing you can do too is look at where you are right now, whatever age you are, look at where you are right now, and then picture what your life would be like 
let's say 10 years in the future, if you continue doing what you're on that pace that you're on right now, on that path that you're on right now, what would it be like if you continue along that same path? And if you are in a position of negative thinking, if you are stagnating, if you are at a lower level and you're not moving from that, then guess what? Things are not going to change in 10 years. So how are you going to feel when 10 years has gone by and you've wasted another 10 years or 20 years or whatever, and nothing has changed? So that's another way to get leverage as well. That's another way to feel that pain as well. Where's the path am I going to lead if I'm really brutally honest about it? Sometimes people aren't honest about the situation. They're delusional or they you know, don't want to think about it. So there's a couple of things that you had touched on that I wanted. First is this idea of a future self. And this is another concept in psychology where you had said when you realized that the future self that you wanted is not going to be sitting in a messy apartment and you started behaving like the future self, even though that person wasn't there yet. Yeah, that's how you got there. Right. The other day I was, I wake up early and I do my like morning stuff and I was laying in bed and I didn't want to get up. And I said to myself, I'm like, what's Scott three years from now do? He's up, no problem. Like, well, then get your ass out of bed. So it was like a way to get leverage on myself that future Scott is going to do this consistently and not miss. So you kind of did that in that moment when you looked around and realized, okay, I, for a second, you projected yourself into the future where you wanted to be. And then you're like, wait a second, that guy's not going to sit in a messy apartment. Like, I think that's powerful. And if I said, Paul, I want you to completely destroy your mindset. And I want in six months, Paul Meredith is a complete wreck of a human. What three or five things would you tell him to do in order to do that? One is to realize where I came from before and what I did before to turn it around. So that's first thing, realize that I have done it before. You can also realize that there's been many super successful people that have been borderline homeless or have had very rough lives and who have turned it around to just build extreme success, like Oprah Winfrey is one. But there's so many out there. What's his name? Steve Harvey is another one. He was homeless at one point. He was living out of his car when he started doing stand-up comedy. You know what you did? You're so positive. I couldn't even get you to answer the negative question. So what I was trying to do is I was trying to get you to like, and you basically just showed me, because I read biographies, the people that are the most successful, they've all gone through crap and often way worse situations than I've ever had. And I'm like, man, you know, if they did that, I can probably do this little problem I'm facing. But I asked you to create a game plan for making a terrible mindset and you're coming up with a good one. So give me the game plan for the bad mindset. What would be the things you would do? Give me that. Oh, so oh okay. So if, you, what, see, you, you couldn't even, you didn't even have, hear it. Your brain what, didn't even hear the question. <laughs> what I would have to do to put myself into the bad mindset. Yes. If I said to you, Paul, I want you to give me a blueprint for creating a terrible mindset. What would be the three or five things you would do? Okay, well, yeah, like first thing I would do is I would just start focusing on everything that's bad, focus on all the anguish in the world, anything to bring myself down, like start making things up about what people think of me, because that's a big part of it for men. They worry so much so about what okay, other so people So first thing, you focus on the negative problem. So like probably watch more all news. All the negative. That's what you have like, to do. I would just be like, I put news on all the time, 24-7, because you would literally be in a terrible state. The second would be assume negative intent of everybody in your world around you. That's what you're saying there, right? Make up these things what people think of you. Yep, exactly. Make up shit about what other people are thinking of them, which people are doing all the time anyway. And that's a big reason why a lot of people are depressed or why a lot of people are not more successful is because they're so worried about what other people think of them. And they're usually just making this shit up or you form a conclusion in your mind and accept it as reality, usually something negative. And then people talk down to themselves. We're our own worst enemies when it comes to negative self-talk. Like if someone were to come up to you and say, oh, you fucking loser. And 
you know, you're garbage, you suck at what you do. Like you wouldn't put up with that shit. Yet that's how you talk to yourself. And I used to do it too. Back when I was time washing trucks, everything was brutal. Everything was bad in my life back then. There was nothing going for me. There was nothing positive. So you tend to focus on that and then you start trashing yourself and that drives you down further. So yeah, if I wanted to pull myself back at rock bottom again and where I'm just a complete mess in six months, I would start doing that. I would start trash talking myself, criticizing everything I do telling myself that everything I do is wrong. Why would people listen to you? You're no good at what you do. Like you just keep telling yourself that over and over and over again. And guess what? Eventually that becomes real. It's bullshit. Most people are telling themselves they're bullshit, but it becomes real because they say it over and over and over and over again. They drive that so far into their mind that it eventually becomes who they are. So if you're going to create that in their relationships and the people around them, Right. And this applies to all areas of life. It's not just business. It applies to relationships. It applies to your health. It applies to your friends, your family, all areas of life. And yeah, if you keep feeding yourself bullshit, you're eventually going to believe that bullshit. So if you're going to feed yourself bullshit, feed yourself bullshit that serves you. Yeah, exactly. Tell yourself the good stuff. Or tell yourself bullshit that is going to drive you forward. And that's kind of what visualizing is, right? You're writing these things down. You're acting as if they've already happened. You're bullshitting yourself. But if you do that, your mind will eventually take it as reality, and that will eventually become your reality. So but if you're I wouldn't gonna- even say that's bullshit. I'd say that's just you're creating the mindset for the environment that you want. But yes. Okay. So hold on. Well, I want to come back to this. So watch negative news all the time. Assume negative intent from people around you. Form conclusions that are negative. So the outcome's negative and can't be changed, which means that I have no control. Things are just going to suck. My life sucks. Everything's going to suck. Use negative criticizing language would be another one. What would be the last thing you'd say if somebody wants to mess themselves up? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, uh, as long as you're destroying yourself mentally like that, you may as well have pizza for breakfast, chocolate cake for lunch, or a bucket of KFC for dinner. And that's all you eat, because if that's all you eat, you will start to feel like crap. And it's amazing how much your health comes into play when it comes to how you feel. Because if you're always eating garbage, you're going to feel like garbage. This is kind of a different topic altogether, but people train their taste buds to think that fried food and things that are bad for you taste good. And people start to develop almost like a belief that anything healthy does not taste good. So they tend to focus on the things that are not healthy because in their mind, unhealthy tastes good, healthy tastes bad. But if you get, again, a different mindset, there's a lot of healthy foods that are delicious. And you can retrain your taste buds to think that fried food is garbage, which it is. Right. And that has a big impact on how you feel. If you're drinking water and eating healthy vegetable, like green vegetables, and you're making that a large part of your diet, I personally think vegetables are disgusting, but I found a way to eat that <laughs> make them actually delicious. Yeah, I hilarious. put like broccoli and cauliflower into a food processor, grind it up to like quinoa, mix in a ripe avocado and fry it up with some ground beef. And you're eating something that's like 80% vegetables and you don't even know it. I mean, parents with kids have done that for years. Okay, so this is really good. Hopefully by walking you through how to wreck your mindset, you guys understand that do the opposite of what Paul said. And the last kind of tip was like, basically, might as well destroy yourself physically too, because it's going to affect the way you think. If you're tired all the time, you're not going to fall through your things because you're tired, you're exhausted, you're having carb crashing, then you're going to just feel worse about yourself. And so you might as well just make the whole thing just a mess, basically. Absolutely. And so you have to realize the path that you're on. You have to realize that and sometimes you have to know when to shift your focus. 
And I find that all areas of life are connected as well, too. So if you're killing it at work, makes it easier to kill it in other areas of life Mm -hmm. as well. Just like if you're slacking off, if you're slacking off with your job, with your career, you're probably slacking off in other areas of life too. So I find that they're all kind of connected and you want to try to balance that out. Like when I'm at the gym and I get up 4.30 in the morning and go to the gym, when I'm at the gym, I make sure that I am pushing myself as hard as I can. And yeah, I don't always want to. Sometimes it sucks, but you do it. You push yourself to your limit. And by the end of that, you feel fantastic. And that sets my energy for the entire day. No one does it where they absolutely push themselves to their limits and then at the end say, oh God, I wish I didn't do that. Yeah. No, because we feel fantastic afterwards. And then that sets my tone for the rest of the day. So if I go in and I'm telling myself at the gym, and this is why so many people don't work out, is because when they go to the gym, they're telling themselves how much it sucks and how much longer do I have to do this? Of course, if that's what you're telling yourself, then of course you're not going to make it a habit. You're not going to want to go back again. You have to enjoy it and you enjoy it by focusing on what it's going to do for you. Working out is not just about changing the way you look. It's not just about being healthy. It gives you an energy. So you focus on that energy that it's going to give you, and then you use that, and that spreads into other areas of your life. So with me, I like to do it in the morning because I find it gives me energy all day, and it sets my tone for the entire day. So if I'm in the gym, and I believe me, I have my days where I do not want to be in there, and, and believe me, yeah, a bed feels really good in the morning. Like I said, I get up at 4.30 in the morning and I would love to sleep in another two hours, but I force myself to get up at that time and go to the gym and I know what it's going to do. Yeah, because I know what it's going to do for me. And I know that it's going to set my tone for that entire day. So if I go out there and I really kill it at the gym, then I know I'm going to come into the office and really kill it at the office as well. If I'm fucking the dog at the gym, pardon the expression, then I'm probably going to come in and have that same kind of attitude at the office as well. Right. One of my friends said a quote to me one time that how you do anything is how you do everything. And the other thing I think about too is physiology affects your psychology. And so one of the easiest ways to change your psychology is to change your physiology. Like you touched on this earlier, you get up and walk around when you're writing your goals, visualize this in the music. So I'm going to wrap up with it here in a sec. I love this conversation, by the way, Paul, because I think that in the current market, so many people are struggling with like, being frustrated. But if you get the mindset right, like you already know what to do. I guarantee you, if I were to sit down with most people who've been doing this business for any amount of time and said, how do you improve your business? They know. It's just they're not doing it because they're in the wrong state. And so it's not a process thing. It's more of a mindset thing. So when you do the visualization, do you write down the goals first and then visualize it? Or do you visualize and then write it down? I'm just curious about that intrigues me because I've been doing some visualization more than I have in the past. So this is a lesson for me. So this is just for Scott. You know, my, yeah, for sure. So, so The first thing I do is I get into the state by putting on music and jumping around. I move, even though I just came from the gym, I'll still jump around a little bit just to get the blood flowing again a little bit before I start doing that, because it just elevates your mood just a little bit. And that helps with the quality of the goal review, the visualization as well. So I get the physiology going, then I write them down. Then I close my eyes, put on some music and just think about that. And is it different music than you would like? Is there like an up music and then like a focus music or is it the same? I try to mix it up a little bit. Like everybody can be a little bit different. So it's about whatever speaks to you, whatever yeah, music. Yeah, I'm not saying some people may have a completely different, I guess. I'm just curious if you use it. There's this great book from this guy who taught himself to be, he was a grandmaster in chess at a young age. He was on Tim Ferriss' podcast and he had this thing about accelerated learning and he would put himself into a state with a certain song. 
when he was in martial arts competition and he said he could put that song on he'd be instantly in that state because he anchored just like i can hear a song back from when i was in grade six and that first time i thought that girls were kind of cool and that song brings me right back to grade six and so music we can attach an emotion to music and a memory to music and so this guy basically attached a song that was lose yourself by eminem and he would play that before he would compete and he said i could be totally calm and relaxed and then i flipped that and all of a sudden a switch would just go and i would be instantly ready to be able to compete and that was by design when i was in grade six it wasn't by design it just happened and so you can design that in your life by saying, I'm going to attach emotion to this music so that I can put myself back, another way to get back into that state. Have you ever done that? Yeah, all the time. And I think everybody can relate to that because everybody's got a song that if it comes on, it'll bring them right back to a moment where they heard that song. So if you have anything like that, anything that creates positive memories like that, then yeah, put them on. If it improves your state, if it improves your mood, put that music on to bring your mood up, to bring your state up to where you want it to be, where you need it to be. Because right. I yeah, find awesome. important too, when you're in the right state, if you do this correctly and if you really commit to doing this and you do it right and committing to it is exactly that, it's committing. It's not saying, well, I'll give this a try and maybe it'll work. I'll see if it works. No, you have to commit to it and you have to believe it. And if you do that and if you change the way you feel by going through these exercises, the answers will just start coming to you. Yeah. So if you want to know how to improve business, if things are a little bit slower and you're not sure what to do, if you have this degree of focus and if you can change your state to this feeling of prosperity, to this feeling of success, and you can truly feel that inside, the ideas will naturally start coming to you. Yeah, I totally agree with that. But you won't find them if you're in the wrong state. So, okay, Paul, this is no. awesome, man. So where can people find you if they're looking for you online? I know you got the book. We didn't even talk about that. But I, I honestly think this topic right now is very pertinent given the market. And it's the best thing we can do for people is for them to start realizing, A, they can put some control on this, put in some habits in order to change the mindset. And if you do that, all the rest of it will solve itself. But if you don't do that, forget about it. Like, honestly, like, it's not going to work. So where can people find you online? Yeah, for sure. So uh, my website's easy123mortgage.ca. Instagram is Paul Meredith Team. Facebook is Mortgage Broker Toronto. So there's a lot of places where you can just simply Google Paul Meredith and I'll come up. And if you forget my last name, just Google Paul Mortgage Broker and I've got a pretty good online footprint. So I should come up or Paul Mortgage Broker Toronto and you should get me there too. And boom, they'll find you. That's amazing. Well, thanks, man, for coming to chat with me. I appreciate it. And thanks for you know, sharing sort of behind the scenes of what you do to show up every day and crush mortgages. Of course, Scott. Well, listen, thank you very much for having me. And I hope I was able to provide some value and your viewers found what I had to say informative. Hey, thanks again for listening. And hopefully you've got some inspiration for listening to my conversation with Paul. I know I did. Afterwards, I was like, dang, you know, some of the things that I had been doing consistently, I had started to slip. It's always, it's funny how that is. You know these things, but then you slip on them. And I put them back into my daily routine. And I'm glad that I did. So I'm glad I had a conversation with Paul. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found it helpful, especially in this market, give it a share, send it to someone who needs to hear it and tell them to listen to Paul's advice and do the opposite. Enjoy your day. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.